Hello there! Welcome to Baytag's Cantina, a community for all Star Wars fans. I'm your host, Baytag, a theater major who loves analyzing character development in stories, especially in the Star Wars universe. I'm here to ramble my way across the galaxy and hopefully introduce you to some new outlooks on the beloved franchise. So whether you're a casual fan or a diehard enthusiast, be sure to grab your Spotchka and Mantel mix and let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Today, I am here with a super special guest, um, the man who just so happened to introduce me to Star Wars, um, my father. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, dad, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Dad. I'm Bailey's dad. <laughs> I'm in my mid-50s, and Star Wars has always been a part of my life. Yes, he's actually wearing, you can't see it, but he's wearing this um, Ahsoka Tano shirt with a Lothwolf on it from her universe. Um, my dad loves the Lothwolf. So. Oh. <laughs> so today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing my dad. We're going to be talking about Star Wars and the Generations and why people felt the need to pass on Star Wars to their kids. And my dad, like I said, he's passed on Star Wars to me. But also um, another family member is my uncle, my dad's brother. He uh, was a huge Star Wars fan as well. He actually has a Boba Fett tattoo or the Mythosaur tattoo. So I learned a lot about Star Wars from him as well. Yes, and I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> um so let's just hop right into it. Are you, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So first question for you, Dad, is why do you like Star Wars? I came to realize that Star Wars was, was more than just a universe with interesting characters and, and action-packed, but really a story of moral free choice. That our destiny is what we make it based solely on our decisions at the time under pressure, um, subtle influences in our life that we listen to. And I think that that, uh, that is absolutely what life is all about is making good moral decisions. And I think George Lucas did a phenomenal job of bringing that to the screen. Uh, and now others like Dave Filoni and John Favreau have capitalized on that even more. So that's why I like Star Wars. Yeah, that's that's good. That's so wholesome. Um, for those of you who may not know, my dad and my mother have a ministry where they go into prisons and they minister to both men and women um, just to spread the word of God. And I have been in a couple times um, in the past. I've been into women's prisons. So I like to think I'm hardcore. Just <laughs> but um, my dad is like the most humble man. You don't, you can't see him right now, but he has a ponytail and um, he is like basically Qui-Gon Jinn to me. <laughs> so um, he's just great. And he's always um, told me, you know, that Star Wars is, is kind of re a reflection of the fight of good and evil, which I totally see and agree with. And now as we're getting more stories, like deeper in with Count Dooku and stuff, we're definitely seeing like both sides of that. Um, so next question that I have for you is, um, Fire away. <laughs> who was your favorite character when you were growing up? Now, when you were growing up, you only had... When I was growing up, we only had A New Hope. Yeah. Then, several years later, we got The Empire Strikes Back. 
one of the best, one of the two best ever made. The first one being Rogue One. Um, and then a few years later, we had a Return of the Jedi. So I would say with that in mind, my favorite uh, character was the concept of the Jedi. Not necessarily one in particular, but just what the concept was. You only had two when I was growing up. You had, well, three. You had Luke, you had Yoda, and you had Obi-Wan Kenobi or uh, Old Ben. Alec Guinness, God bless his heart. Old Ben. We love Old Ben. But I would say probably not so much as a favorite character as the concept. So the Jedi of, Order. Of the Jedi Order. Yeah, that's so. that's good. That's true. Um, so my favorite character growing up, and I think you'll know this one, was um, Alea Sakura. And I always used to play her. Yeah, she did <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront Battle. 1 on the first Xbox with an annoying red light when it broke. Yes, the Red Ring of Death. Um, so Elias Sakura was my favorite for a long time because she was, I think, the first female Jedi that I ever knew was like a woman Jedi. I was like mind blown when I saw it. And actually in the game, I think it might be Battlefront 2, she held two lightsabers. So she was a female Jedi and she was a badass because she had two lightsabers <laughs> well somebody had to put grievous on his toes yeah <laughs> he had three or four that's true that's so true but eliza Curie growing up was my favorite um and so now we have this whole universe that's just been absolutely expanded upon absolutely so who is your favorite character right now well a lot of people would say boba fett mando i mean looking through it but i think one of the uh, greatest series that have come out besides uh, in the universe now is Andor. And for those that are uninitiated, you need to watch it. Plug for uh, Dago Luna and the great fine cast. But I would say right now it's Luthen Rail. The, uh, oh, Luthen. Luthen's good. I've start, so I have not finished Andor. You guys are going to crucify me. I know. I'm slowly working my way through shame, it. Shame, shame. <laughs> I have, I think, like maybe five more episodes. So I'm pretty far along. But yeah, Luthen is a great character. Luthen Rail. Uh, I think it's because I've aged with Star Wars and... Uh, I mean, uh, Skellen Skarsgård, what can you say? I mean, he's been in so much. He's even in the rebooted uh, version of Dennis Villeneuve's uh, Dune. Yeah. And just such a great character <gasps> actor. Is he the Baron? He is the Baron. I just realized that. I'm so... That's because you're a Marvel kid, too. <laughs> and you're always looking at Marvel. But look beyond Marvel. I know. I'm excited because Florence Pugh has just been announced as part of the cast for Dune 2. And I'm like... I love Florence and Pugh. And for anybody listening, the recent Dune reboot, Dennis Villeneuve had such a great, great vision for it. Just like when he picked up the story of Blade Runner, mm. that it just it just blows the old version completely out. It does. Yes, I'm old. Get over <laughs> it. But that said, um, Luthen Rail just uh, appeals to me now that I'm getting older. Hey, is he, has he got force powers? We don't know, but there are some things that I won't give away because my daughter is behind the curve. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but certain things indicate that was he possibly a former Sith Lord? Was he, was he possibly a force wielder? I mean, he, and not only that, but um, his whole attitude about when he, uh, was talking to Saul Guerrera and said, you don't think I've sacrificed? We just don't know what he sacrificed or his thing. And I strive to be humble in everything that I do in my life from raising your host to uh, 
to playing dad to her and her uh, boyfriend to a variety of things. And as a minister, you have to be humble. But Luther Rail, I think we're going to see uh, some interesting uh, character development in that. And uh, Skellen Skarsgård was recently interviewed and he said, uh, uh, wait and see. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to uh, see. And I would, so. Yeah. That's that. And season two is, is we're getting season two. It was so sad when I was watching Star Wars Celebration, I had to skip all the Andor stuff because I hadn't seen it. And they were diving into like, because Luthen has his whole shop. And I've seen a couple of scenes where like Padme's headdress is in it. Actually, um, so Sam Witwer, we just had a Sam Witwer event where we met Sam Witwer. He is the voice of Darth Maul, but he also played Darth Vader's apprentice in the game Force Unleashed. He was Starkiller. And there's a scene in Andor with Starkiller's armor. And so Sam Witwer was like, hey, that's my armor. Like, what are you doing with that? So like, I had to skip all of the set design stuff, which I was so bummed about because that's where I, I love like... As I've said before, I was a theater major. I love set design. I love costumes. So I said that I had to skip that, but I'm getting caught up. So soon I'll be on the same level of Andor that everyone else is. And I think what makes Andor so special to me anyway is because it's not about the Skywalker family. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're seeing Dave Filoni and John Favreau and, uh, and all, all the directors like... Uh, Dallas Bryce Howard and just uh, all these new directors that are coming into the universe that are making it what it should be. Oh, I know I'll get hate mail for that statement, <laughs> but there's more than the Skywalker saga and there's more yeah. than just the uh, platitudes. I mean, we're seeing the undercurrent of uh, Coruscant on the Bad Batch. We're seeing yeah. what should be the, the real nitty gritty. So yeah, it's a big universe. There's it's more a, stories to be told. Absolutely. But yeah, Luthen Rail is it for sure. Luthen is a great character. What does it feel like? This is not a question that's on there, but um, what does it feel like to have that representation as someone who's older in Star Wars? Because, you know, there's in the, in the past, it's always been super young, like fit, beauty, queens and kings that have always gotten the roles. And um it's, I feel personally like seeing Mon Mothma and um, uh, even the girl who played, um, I think her name's Vel. She was not like, when you first see her, she kind of looks like she belongs like as a hobbit. Like she's kind she of, did, yes. she's kind of like, I don't she's kind of elfin. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> she's just kind of dwarfish and like, she's not necessarily someone who fits the beauty standard. And as someone who doesn't fit the beauty standard, it's nice to see that and to have that. So what is, how does that? Well, I think you have to understand that before the, uh, you know, uh, the, the pretty people like Han, Luke, Leia, and Lando Calrissian, and uh, even, you know, as depicted in Solo, it's nice to see that representation because we have to remember, and I know when Star Wars was first created, it was all about merchandising. Hey, look, Kenner Toys isn't around, but I had every one of them. <laughs> um, and it was, a, it was an unbefore-seen anything, and then everybody tried to copy uh, there was even rumors uh, that, you know, uh, Frank Herbert's descendants have said that even George Lucas stole some things from Tatooine and spice from, you know, spice oh, trade Dune. from Doom. Yeah. But anyway, you know, so you had to make it this uh, this hero story with pretty people. 
But I think what we're seeing now, the stretch in the universe is uh, even Mando kind of excluded because there's nothing wrong with Mando, but it's more of that gunslinger attitude that Favreau and Filoni are building. But to answer the question, we have to remember that this is an internal moral story of moral choice and the old-fashioned fight between good and evil. So you need gritty older characters like Saw Guerrera. The yeah. first time I saw Forrest Whitaker as Saw Guerrera, Bailey was sitting next to me, and we both were like, ooh! Yeah. <laughs> he stole my beating heart. Yeah, he's a good and So you see Luther Rail, you see Mon Motha, you see some of these... Cobb Vanth, even. Cobb Vanth was old. Yeah, Cobb Vanth. And you see these people with, you know, crow's feet in the eyes, the wrinkles of the skin, but it's... It adds credence to the fact of how ruthless the Empire really was. And that's why I enjoy Andor so much, because you're seeing the old guard. Uh, I believe that, you know, Rogue One, the way they remorphed Peter Cushing. And I remember seeing Peter Cushing in A New Hope. Yeah. And the famous line when he said, release him, Lord Vader. <laughs> he was force choking somebody because somebody called him a mystic. <laughs> But you need to understand the internal fight and struggle is very real. It's, and I think that Andor has done a good job of, and so did Rogue One, of showing that the the older generations had the tough decisions to make, as I do as an older generation, who lives, who dies, who, who uh, fits the bill, who is yeah. right for this mission. I mean, who knew that when... Uh, Cassie and Andor and Jen Urso were put on their mission with all those wonderful characters. Uh, chew it. <laughs> I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. <clears throat> and uh, his sidekick, the, they acted on their own, but eventually the old guard came to go, okay, we can do this, but then they ended up sacrificing everything. So you you have to have the backstory of the old guard and not just the pretty new uh, young Han Solo, the young Lando, those are all gaps that are awesome to be filled in this universe. But let's not forget, uh, which is, I think, comes up to even Sheev Palpatine, Palpatine, the way that he he uh, nurtured and was old uh, throughout the uh, the display. So I hope that answered the question. Yeah, absolutely. So your favorite character now is Luthen, which I love. Um, my favorite character now? Kanan Jarrus, Caleb Doom, always and forever, <laughs> always and forever. It'll be Kanan. Yes, the sacrificial uh, lamb. Yes. Um, I'm actually reading the book right now for Bonnie's Bookshelf, which I'm going to plug Sisterhood of the Traveling Bantha. If you guys aren't following Sisterhood, um, my podcast is in partnership with them. They are awesome. Um, I appear on their podcast every now and then, but they have a book club called Bonnie's Bookshelf, which is named after the Bantha mascot that we have, Bonnie. And our book for May is Star Wars A New Dawn, and it is a story of Kane and Jarrus and Hera, and I believe it's a story of how they met. Um, I haven't gotten too far along. I'm on chapter 10, but that book is amazing so far. Um, but I love Kanan because he, I just, he's such a strong character and he's witty and funny. And ultimately like his whole journey was just really intense. And I love, I love rebels. Yes. Um, so and in fact, there's a rebel plugin that I missed when I was watching a uh, row one so many times before when they hijack the ship to uh, before they get ready to launch, you hear in the loudspeaker, General Sandula, please report to the flight deck. General yeah. Sandula, report to the flight deck. So that gives us a sense of the timeline of, yeah. of Rogue One. So 
So true. So my next question is, do you have a favorite Star Wars memory? And this can be anything from dressing up to um, experiencing something with me to seeing a movie, anything. What is your favorite Star Wars memory? Well, due to my upbringing, movies were uh, considered uh, not cool, (laughs) to put it in a a lighter context. So... um, I remember seeing A New Hope the first time on a beat-up, now this will take people back, not VHS, but a Betamax copy at a resort in Branson, Missouri. Wow. Um, They had had it, and I don't know how they got it because the movie had just come out, you know, months before. And I begged and pleaded with my uh, dad to let me see that. And he remained steadfast, no, but my mom talked him into it. And that's the first time I saw A New Hope. And then when my mom came in after my dad left for, um, he had to be back early, she watched it. And when we got back to uh, home in Kansas City, we both went to the theater and saw it for (laughs) the first time ever on the big screen. So that's the first memory. The other memory I have is I bought John Williams as a consummate, consummate uh, conductor. And without his music, you wouldn't have the universe. End of story. Um, Same with... uh, um, Jaws. Jaws. I mean, he's done everything. Um, And the same thing with James Earl Jones, who's the voice of our awesome protagonist, uh, always fighting with himself, Anakin, Darth Vader, but I got the first record of Star Wars, the big old vinyl one, and then The Empire Strikes Back. My mom always let me buy the soundtracks, and I used to just listen to those and do my own voices and create my own tapes and my own stories out of that music. So That's Okay, do you remember when we moved? So we used to live in Colorado, and then my dad got a job transfer, and we ended up in a small little apartment for a short period of time, and um, I had like I didn't have any of my toys really because everything was in storage, but I did have my pink like boombox CD player. And I, do you remember this? I had like, I think it might've been either a new hope or return of the Jedi on CD. And it had the Fox 20th century intro. And I made these like little shadow puppet, like paper (laughs) things. So, because I was like probably 10 and I was sharing a bedroom with my mom and dad. Like it was a one bedroom apartment, super small, super cheap. And this was during the housing market crash, by the way. So that was fun. Um, But I had cut out like these little paper shadow figures and I did like a little matinee like for mom and dad on the the, um, ceiling. I had like a flashlight and I was like putting on a show. I just remember that not too long ago. I was thinking about that the other day. But um, that's funny. She has always been. Yes. (laughs) Um, My favorite Star Wars memory... um, I'm trying to think of a memory with you. I really think <laughs> my, my favorite, and I I think I told this on Sisterhood of the Traveling Bantha, um, is so the very first Star Wars movie, official Star Wars movie that I saw, a part of the Skywalker saga, Revenge of the Sith. was Revenge of the Sith. And my dad took me, which I also have some qualms with you. Why were you letting me play Battlefront at like six years old? Because that was also like, I was, so that movie came out, I want to say that movie came out in 2004. Ooh, I'm going to get that wrong and everybody's going to judge me for it. Hold on. <laughs> Let me make fact sure. Fact checking herself. Fact checking because I don't want to sound like an idiot. Nobody fact checks themselves anymore. Oh, it was 2005. Okay. So um, that came out in 2005. I was born in 98. 
So that would have made me seven years years old. old. And you were like, yeah, we'll take her to Revenge of the Sith. And I remember we got really good seats. We were like pretty close up to the screen. And I was like so enthralled with the movie. I remember just being like so locked in, forgot I was even in the movie theater. And it comes to the fight scene between Obi-Wan and Anakin, like the big fight duel. I have the high ground, Anakin. (laughs) Yes, it comes to that scene and Anakin gets cut down. And I remember you taking off your baseball cap to cover my face. Yes. Because you thought I was going to be scared. (laughs) No, I just... (laughs) I don't think you were going to be scared, but every parent knows that, you know, you got to be careful even at seven. But I didn't know it was going to be that graphic. So it was more or less not that I think she was going to be scared, but kind of like, oh, ooh, what? Uh, <laughs> I don't so. want my daughter to have nightmares. <laughs> but I just remember, like, I remember looking at you and going, Dad, you're so silly. Because I was like, I'm not scared. And I, like, took so the hat down. <laughs> we ended up, uh, Bailey's mom ended up going home and we did a U-turn. I don't think she remembers this. And we went back and watched it again. And that time I didn't shield her eyes from anything. Oh, I don't remember that. We saw it twice. Yeah. That day we saw it twice. Wow. That's a little fun fact away from me. You know, it's like, I remember one time and it's not in the Star Wars universe, but it's in the George Lucas interview verse. Uh, My father was in retail with Sears and, uh, I think I was about 12 or 13 and went to work with him on a Saturday and he gave me my monthly allowance and he said, okay, it's going to be eight hours. See you when you get done. And uh, went to the mall theater and I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark back to back (laughs) six times to fill my day. But back then that movie was only like to get in. I think I had $20. And to get in, it was like $1.25. So. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. I think we saw Rogue One a couple times. Mm-hmm. I think we saw that a couple times. I know we saw Rise of Best Skywalker. But to twice. answer your question about playing Battlefront. Oh, six. wait, wait. I haven't gotten there yet. Hold well, on. You just asked me. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me ask that question because I have a question that um, ties into that. So the question is, why, why on God's Green Earth did you introduce me to Xbox and Battlefront? When I was like six years old, because I did the math. Okay. The very first Battlefront game, I want to say it came out in 2004. And then the next one after that, I think came out in 2005. So that would have put me like six years old <laughs> playing Battlefront. Well, the, there was no really rhyme or reason to it. But growing up in, in my generation, you either had in television or you had Atari. And I had neither. And we won't go into the whys and the wherefores, but... Um, you know, I was like, what can I do to connect with my daughter? Well, I can bring her into the Star Wars universe, one and foremost. And I, I played that game, whether you realize it or not, a lot with your mom watching to make sure she had her approval and it wasn't gory. Yeah. It was just Battlefront. Come on, Battlefront 1. It was so good. It was so blocky. I remember how blocky, yeah. compared to today's graphics, it's and so blocky. <laughs> we learned how to cheat the system and the different worlds and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was our thing after dinner. We'd go down because we had a tri-level house and turn on the TV and play. So really, it was the Xbox thing came about with, um, I'm not going to, uh, you always want to do better. When you're when you're a parent, so that's why we got the Xbox. Uh, but this, that was the best way to introduce the Star Wars universe until the movie came out. And besides that, before that, though, Bailey, you were watching reruns all the time, so you just don't remember. Yeah, I remember setting up because in our basement area again, it was a tri-level house, so we had like a den. And I remember the couch we had had a pull-out bed, and so sometimes we would just like on a Saturday set the bed up. Dad would take me to like. <laughs> to get snacks 
<laughs> or the gas station and you'd make pizza rolls and we would watch Godzilla, 007, yep, exactly. Star Wars. So I Especially during the blizzards. Yeah, we we lived in Denver at the time, so it was definitely I remember that very well. Yes. Yes, she is a Godzilla freak, too, because I introduced her to Godzilla before I did Star Wars. That's very true. I love Godzilla. And we're not talking about the modern kaiju, folks. We're talking about... uh, Like old... Toho original. She had to start with the 1959 classic with Raymond Burr. So, as you can tell, my parents raised me well. (laughs) Yes. Um, And no, gentlemen, you can't flutter with dating requests because she's already (laughs) locked up. Shout out to my boyfriend, Josh, yes. <laughs> who is also a Star Wars fan. Um, I, I love Battle Not only Fence. a Star Wars fan, but let's uh, thank him for his service. He's a proud United States Marine. He is. He's a wonderful boy. Um, all right. So uh, my next question is, uh, if we went to Star Wars Celebration together and we cosplayed together, who should we dress up as? Wow. Who do you think we should dress up as? So many choices. But because we're father and daughter uh, and you're my little stardust, (laughs) it would have to be Galen and Jen Urso. Galen and Jen. (laughs) That's so sweet. And not the Galen and Jen that were on the platform when he gave the ultimate sacrifice. We're talking about the Galen and Jen right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, little Jen. (laughs) Little stardust. Oh, sweet. I was thinking on the way here, I was like, it would be kind of fun, even though they're not necessarily like father and daughter, but to do, um, I could do Ahsoka and you could be Plo Koon. Yeah. <laughs> or even Hunter and Omega, because you did make that reference the other day. That's true. I did make the little reference. Don't. She was stressed out about something and I said, Hunter's got it. Don't stress out Omega. Yeah, Hunter and yeah. Omega would be good. Hunter and Omega would be fun. But They're- I love Galen and Jen. I think so. If we go to Star Wars Celebration in Japan, <laughs> 2025, guys, I think we should do Galen and Jen. That and I would probably cool. wear the uniform that he had on the platform because we're we fit kind of that age. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, there are so many different ones to choose from. Yeah, we or can- Luthen Rail and Mon Motha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your mom could be Mon Motha. <laughs> yeah, mom could be Mon Motha. Ooh, Luthen and Mon Mothma. Ooh, that's kind of a, a questionable duo. Wait, Have I missed something? <laughs> you've got five episodes. Enough said. But that's anyway. fun. I love that. I think that would be great. I think. Galen Speaking of the universe, when are we going to actually see the Botham spies as they should <gasps> be? I literally so for the so when this episode comes out, it's going to be past time. But we just saw Return of the Jedi in theaters last night, and Mon Mothma gets her whole speech about many Bothan spies died for these plans. And I was like, oh, when are we going to get to see the the story of the Bothan spies? Because that is something that is like that's a big quote that everybody's always been like giant question mark. So I wonder if we'll get that filled in with any of the new shows that are coming. It would be interesting so we have skeleton crew that's coming out and that's um kathleen kennedy has said it's going to be like stranger things meets the goonies and i'm personally hoping that that will have like more of the star wars pirates so we'll see like hondo anaka and um maybe lettuce spaceman from mando <laughs> yeah <laughs> simon the seaweed monster <laughs> yes I think Sid and Marty <laughs> Croft are now the puppeteers, not for a cause. <laughs> Maybe we'll see something in Skeleton Crew. I don't know. I'm so excited. Well, no, not Skeleton Crew, because that's five years after the Battle of Yavin. So I don't know. When are we going to... Dave, John, 
when are we going to get the information about the Bothan spies? Yeah, because they look like lions with horse ears. Give it to us. We want the info. We want the Bothans. Give us the download. Um, because many Bothans died giving <laughs> us this information. Okay, here's my next question. This is a good one. Um, do you remember what it was like to find out that Luke was Darth Vader's son? <gasps> That's what it was like. <gasps> yeah, it was like, What? Yeah. But now, if you really watch A New Hope after we've had so many wonderful stories fill in the gaps, Obi-Wan told him it way before (laughs) Empire even made it concrete evidence. Yeah, that's so funny that you say that because last night at Return of the Jedi, there's a moment where Luke like confronts Obi-Wan and he's like, it's Obi-Wan's ghost. And he's like, why didn't you tell me that you knew my father? And Obi-Wan literally sits there and gaslights Luke. It was so funny. (laughs) I looked at Josh and I was like, oh my God, Obi-Wan is so salty because he says something like, oh, the truth is based on perception. And I was like, oh, that's convenient for you. (laughs) He was like, um, I only told you like a half a half lie. It was like not the whole truth, but it wasn't a lie. But yeah, old Ben said it right though. <laughs> I did tell you that Darth Vader did kill your father in a metaphysical. Physical. Yes, that's what he says. And I'm like, that's literally like Obi-Wan, you're gaslighting. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, How dare you question the man that guarded you for so many years? <laughs> so um do you remember the feeling then when Luke and Leia are revealed as brother and sister? I kind of was like Carrie Fisher. Oh, God bless Carrie Fisher. We miss her so much. She gets her star. She her Hollywood her star. star on May the 4th. Look, guys, I remember I listened to her dad's records, Eddie Fisher. So Wow. You, know, you are old. I'm just kidding. I am old. <laughs> but uh and of course, Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. But uh, to the question, I kind of had the reaction that she had in Return of the Jedi. Somehow, I kind of always knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, because I remember watching it and like, I remember being in denial in Empire Strikes Back when Vader's like, Luke, I'm your father. And I was like, no, there's no way. Like, he's so evil. And Luke is like, so nice. Like, it can't be his father. And then in Return of the Jedi, the only, I was Harrison Ford. Father. (laughs) I was Harrison Ford in that moment when like Luke and Leia are revealed as brother and sister. I was like, wait, they kissed. (laughs) Like, ew. ew. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. Like Harrison Ford, it's so funny when Leia tells Han Solo that she's like, no, I don't love him in that way. He's my brother. And Han Solo's face is like, Uh, relief and then immediate confusion and you can just tell he's like thinking about the time that they kissed he's like what (laughs) and that was like my reaction 100% I was like what (laughs) that's your chewy laugh that's good laugh it up fuzzball um so I think to wrap up because I think we've kind of gone through all the questions that I have that I have um what do you think makes a good Star Wars story as much as I love the universe when it was first presented to us, I think what has to make a good Star Wars story, and we're starting to see that um, in a non-campy, cheesy kind of aspect. And there's a lot of people to thank for that. Let's just pray that Kathleen Kennedy gets to be CEO of all of Disney and leaves John and David alone. <laughs> but um, I think... Andor represents, and so does Rogue One, represents, and I'm trying to think what else um, 
to a limited degree, although it's animated, I think the Bad Batch touches on it. Oh, yeah. What we need to constantly remind ourselves is the absolute um, horrific, um, gritty, despairing, despairing universe the Empire actually created. Yeah. And you have to, you know, it's always fun to root for the good guys, but not, you know, and that's why some will agree, some will disagree. The Skywalker saga has kind of gone sideways because everybody lives, nobody dies, everybody's happy. But what we have seen in Andor is that not everybody lives. In Rogue One, certainly not everybody lives. Now, that sounds pretty heavy-handed, and maybe you think I'm a morbid guy. What, this guy has a prison ministry? But think deeper. You have to understand that when I joined the military, I did it for one sole purpose, to be something greater than myself. And I think what has to make a great Star Wars story is that there has to be characters that understand there is a very strong chance we're not going to get out of this alive. But to quote another franchise that is in the stars, which I equally enjoy, which is Star Trek, I think Ambassador Spock said it best, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Yeah. And I think what we need to see to continue this is we're going to have the campy, we're going to have the cheesy, we're going to have all the legacy <laughs> stuff filled in, and I think Thrawn is coming. Thrawn is coming. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll also see, uh, oh, what's the the, the the little Jedi that's uh, out there with the purgles right now? Ezra. Ezra Bridger. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, Ahsoka is so, probably going to be really heavy. Yeah, I think Ahsoka will be heavy to a degree and ushering in the, the trilogy of the rise of the Empire. But, but you'll have the campy, you'll have the animation and stuff like that. But I think really the... Some of the directors for The Mandalorian have touched on this, uh, but I really think if you want to look for me for future Star Wars series, I want to see the the Rebel, the Rogue One kind of tagline. I want to see more of the Andor-type stories develop because it's important to showcase that, as we know in this world, evil is real. Yeah, and we can't always have a feel-good story at the end. The decisions split, decisions are made in the split second of who lives and who dies. I'm not trying to be political at all, but we we live in a day and age where if uh, there's a uh, active shooter near my family, then I've got a job to do. And I think we need to realize that these people were laying down their lives in some of these stories. Because it wasn't a campy, wrinkled-up old Palpatine shooting force lightning out of his hands and that sort of thing. But that he was the incarnation of an evil that we've seen in history. Yeah. You know, we see him channeled through Hitler. We see him just channeled through Mussolini. We see him channeled in other ways. So I think what makes a good Star Wars story is not, you know, and the campy stuff is fun. And, you know, Chewbacca. We love Lizzo and Jack Black. Yeah. <laughs> We, we love Lizzo and Jack Black. We even love Jar Jar. Let's give some Jar Jar yes, some Yes, Jar Jar is amazing. I mean, let's face it, though. They kind of redeemed him when he played that Jedi. Ahmed the rest of the <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they gave him some chops when they made him the one that rescued Grogu. Hell yeah. He oh, deserved that. Oh, excuse me. Din Grogu. Din Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, think we have to also agree. have the stories, and I think that's what appeals to me about, I mean... 
the very first Star Wars story that I thought was the best, and my my daughter got me a very nondescript T-shirt for it, was Rogue One. Because yeah. that was showing typically that, you know what? And it was sad because, you know, the good guys, they didn't make it. Yeah. And that's not because I want to see death and destruction of the good guys, but I want to see the sacrifice. Well, it's a reflection of real life. And absolutely, people latch on to that. And it's so true. I So we just read um, the book Jedi Battle Scars for Bonnie's Bookshelf. We read that. That was our book for April. And that book is a story about Cal Kestis um, post-Jedi's Fallen Order. And Marin, who is a night sister from Dothamir, talks about like the transition from fighting with the separatists to immediately going into the empire. And it's like the destruction and just like, it's war. People don't realize like it was so lighthearted, I think in the prequels. And I think that's why Dave and John are going back and like giving us more of order 66, because it was probably the most traumatic event in the galaxy for everyone. Like Jedi, Sith, probably not Sith. They were probably kicking it. But like the clones, I mean, that's... And even in Kenobi, you see one of the clone veterans begging for money. And like that's... That is a reflection of our society. We have veterans on the street. We have... You know, and that's... I think that... That's so true. That is what makes it a great Star Wars story. And I think personally... And uh, I'm I'm kind of pulling some of this from Sam Witwer. I listened to a podcast that he was on and he was talking about how working with Dave Filoni is like the most amazing thing because oh, you'll walk into recording and um, he's an actor. He's done many projects and he's been on TV shows and he's had jobs where he'll walk in and ask the director, hey, like, what do you think about this line for this character? And the director will kind of just give him the whole like, just read your line. It's a line spiel. But Dave Filoni sits down when they were filming The Clone Wars. He sat down with every single voice actor and said, okay, this is where your character's at in this point of time. These are the emotions surrounding this character. Like, this is, like, he put, he would give, like, 15-minute monologues before you would even start recording. And then he would say, you know, like, okay, do you have any questions for me? And, like, no, you answered everything plus some. So I think, like, what's making really great Star Wars stories now is having leadership that is, like, genuinely passionate about star wars and like dave filoni even talks about when he got the phone call to do clone wars he didn't believe that it was really lucasfilm and when he finally did realize it was lucasfilm he ends up telling the lady who is um like some assistant he was like i literally have a plo koon costume that i'm building in my (laughs) garage (laughs) right now (laughs) so that's like you have to have in order to have like a great story you have to have somebody who understands it and i think dave filoni is like He's just spent so much time with George and he's so passionate about it. And like, he doesn't want to mess it up. He was even crying at celebration just because of like, he, the fans have been so receptive of him. And I think like doing any project, I can't even imagine putting your whole career on the line like that and knowing like, absolutely, I I could totally fudge up the rest of my career. (laughs) And he's just like, absolutely like push the limits and i'm so excited for ahsoka he's written every single episode of ahsoka because he knows all the characters if you haven't seen rebels i'm gonna tell you again for the millionth time go watch that freaking series (laughs) yes it's on disney plus i made my dad watch it i made my roommates watch it go watch rebels you You will not be disappointed well and that goes for the bad batch season one and two because it fills in all the blanks yes don't think it's just oh it's just a cartoon and it's not doing thing because they're they're subtly interweaving the inner universe that they're going to do because 
one thing Filoni and Favreau are doing that is keeping Kathleen Kennedy off their back is they agree with the animation because that's Disney's thing. Yeah. But then they're coming forward also with live action. Yeah. But yeah, I would agree that that's what makes a, uh, a very good Star Wars story. And it totally is very representative of our society today. Yeah. I mean, how many of you all really wish we had a real lightsaber or, <laughs> or you had that? And I think one missing key to, I think what started that and then George Lucas, right, not, I, I would say, in a self sense of preservation, not greedy sense, uh, because he was asked, why did he make Return of the Sith so dark? And it's like, I can't tell the story unless, you know, because we, let's face it, yeah. the good guys don't always win. Yeah, we have to go to those dark places. We have to go to those dark places. I uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you're my first episode. How do you feel? This is my first episode and you are the center of attention. No no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I speak in front of people all the time. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I hope to have my dad back on soon. Um, and until next time, remember to be kind, be the light in your world. And may the force be with you. May the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>